This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hi there, and welcome into episode six of Small Talk. I am your host, Michelle Smallman, and it's kind of hard to believe we're already at episode six. We are rolling right along with these podcasts. So I want to start off this week's pod with a thank you and an apology to you out there, the listeners. I really, really appreciate all of the support for this podcast. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you subscribing, rating, reviewing it, sending it to your friends for all the amazing tweets and support you sent my way. It's, it's really been awesome to kind of see this little community build around this podcast. So the apology comes with that in conjunction. You know, I'm trying to do this every week. It's really hard to get everything scheduled and whatnot. So when the podcast doesn't drop on time, I want to be transparent with you. I want to let you know why. So we had a podcast recorded on Thursday. Uh, we spoke to the incredibly brilliant and funny Sean Evans. You know him from First We Feast, from Complex Magazine, from Sean in the Wild, most notably Hot Ones, the incredible, incredible interview show. And you're going to hear from him later on the podcast. But Tommy Freeze Pops and I recorded three random things. We had some funny observations on 13 Reasons Why and on Kanye's new album, and I, it was ready and packaged to go. And then Friday morning, we got the news of Anthony Bourdain's death, and I emailed Chris Files here at 101 ESPN, the place where I do my weekly sports talk radio show, and he was kind enough to help me record this every week, and I said, hey, I want to scrap three random things and do one hyper-specific thing on Anthony Bourdain. So celebrity deaths have never really impacted me. You know, I don't know these people personally. Of course, I never want to see anyone lose their life, but it's more of a, oh, that's really sad. Move on with my day. But this one was a little different for me. I've never met Anthony Bourdain, but surprisingly, he had a fairly significant impact on my life. Um, I first became aware of Anthony Bourdain in college. I read his book, Kitchen Confidential, as I'm sure most of you did, and subsequently started watching his TV show at the time, No Reservations. And Watching Anthony Bourdain travel so fearlessly into unknown places and showcase different cultures really lit a fire in me. It made me want to travel abroad myself. It made traveling abroad seem accessible to me. It was something that I had never really desired to do, but watching that show and becoming obsessed with it made me want to get out there and explore the world too. And I did. I went out. I studied abroad. I was in Europe for a couple months. I saw things. I met different people. I ate foods I never thought I would eat, you know, things I only dreamt about from the glow of my TV with Anthony Bourdain. And traveling changed me to the core. When you go out there and you travel, you get new experiences, it alters the fabric of your soul. You become more brave. You become more confident. You're more open to people. You're wiser about the world. And I'm not sure that I would have wanted to take that big step into the world had I not found Anthony Bourdain and his show. So for that, thank you, Anthony. From a media standpoint, his show was and will forever be unlike anything else out there. It's a personal travel diary. You get music, cinema anecdotes. You get tales from a bar. And of course, you're privy to some of the best meals in the world. Anthony Bourdain was honest. He was profane. He was funny. He was curious. He was aware. And most importantly, he did it his way. He didn't compromise who he was and what he wanted to convey to the world for the product. As someone that works in media, trust me when I tell you, and there's no pun intended here, even though it's going to sound that way and sound so cheesy, but there are so many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to various projects. And one of the things I admire the most about Anthony Bourdain is that his voice was never compromised. He never tried to make his show or his words 
palatable for mainstream America. Some of the things he said were outrageous, and some of the things he said provided a lot of shock value, but he always stuck to himself, and the result was brilliant. Uh, Over the weekend, I was watching a No Reservations Marathon. You know, obviously, there was a lot of Anthony Bourdain tributes out there on various platforms, and I wake up on Sunday morning, turn on the TV, and the one that I saw it happened to fall on was about the Baja region of Mexico. And Anthony Bourdain was as comfortable in a five-star restaurant talking about French techniques and local Mexican ingredients as he was in a seemingly seedy part of town eating street tacos. He balanced cracking jokes about a pink limo he was riding into breaking down. I mean, let me read this quote to you. I literally wrote it on the notes section of my phone because I thought it was so incredible. So he's in this obnoxious pink limo in Mexico, it breaks down on the street. All these people are staring at him, pointing at him, taking pictures on their phone. And he says, quote, you got to sit in this thing with passerbys hooting at you and taking pictures of the big, stupid gringo and the douche nozzle prom mobile that needs a bleeping jump start." I mean, who says that on a cable show about travel? It's unbelievable. And he was as comfortable cracking that joke as he was providing political observations about the U.S.'s relationship with Mexico at the end of the episode. He made being smart cool. He made intelligent commentary and being culturally aware awesome. And so much of what we consume today is at the lowest common denominator. And Anthony Bourdain didn't succumb to that. He challenged us to think. And for that, thank you, Anthony. I guess what made Anthony Bourdain so unique, at least from where I sit, is that he was the antithesis of so much of what I personally perceive to be plaguing our society these days. It feels like we've never been more divided socially, politically. It feels like we're resigned to screaming at each other from our corners of our various comfort zones. And Anthony Bourdain, he challenged everyone to move, to go out and see the world, to be unafraid, try something new, open your eyes, open your minds to new experiences, new cultures, new people. He showed us that regardless of how we look, where we live, what we pray to, that at the root, what nourishes us is the same physically, emotionally, mentally. It's wholly the same. And a lot of it is food-based. So much of food is that it's really a vessel that exhibits love. It binds us all. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we're from. We all just want a good meal with great company. And when you understand the root and similarities there, compassion and humanity come into play, which this world is lacking a lot of. Acceptance of diversity is something we need. And for that, thank you, Anthony. I could have done this entire hourly podcast on Anthony Bourdain and the various impacts he's had in different parts of the world and culture. I didn't even begin to discuss what he's done in the culinary world and how important his voice was to championing women in the Me Too movement. Anthony Bourdain was alongside us, alongside women who were empowered to tell their stories, to break this cycle of harassment and abuse. He never let up. He was relentless on social media, any interviews he did. He wanted to expose these bad people to allow women to be elevated. He understood that when women are empowered, it makes us as a society better. Anthony Bourdain was a warrior on so many battlefields, and he left the world better in so many ways. And for that, Anthony, a sincere thank you. We're going to miss you, Anthony Bourdain. We'll miss all the little nooks and crannies of the world that you exposed us to. And most importantly, we'll miss your stories. So thank you for so much. Now that we said our piece about Anthony Bourdain, it's time to get to an interview that I am so 
excited for. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Uh, first, because it's going to be great content. It's a great guest who's going to tell you great stories uh, about celebrities and athletes and about building something from scratch that becomes a destination spot in media, but mostly because he's my friend and I haven't talked to him in a long time and I miss him. So coming up next, we visit with Sean Evans of the critically acclaimed interview show, Hot Ones. Take 101 ESPN on the go with the all-new 101 Sports app. See the latest videos, listen to podcasts, and join the conversation with the 101 Sports app. I mentioned at the top of the podcast how fired up I was for this interview, and it's not only because the person you're about to hear from is an amazing guest, and he's going to tell you amazing stories about one of the best shows that's being produced in media these days, but it's also because he's my friend, and I haven't talked to him in so long, and I can't wait to catch up with him. But I'm so pleased to welcome Sean Evans to Small Talk. You probably know him as the host of Hot Ones. It's one of the best shows that's out there. You can find it on YouTube, where Sean sits down with athletes, celebrities, musicians and he eats hot wings with them and asks them tough questions and it's a brilliantly done show it's so funny it's critically acclaimed and it's become a destination for not only celebrities but for fans as well so sean thank you so much for joining me i'm so excited to chat with you Anything for you, Michelle Smallman. You know I got you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I have to tell you, like, your success is amazing. Like, I know a lot of people, they kind of take ownership in people one way or the other. But I've known you for, like, 10 years. We've been friends since college. And so it's been crazy for me because I'm so wicked proud of you to see your come up. And it's so funny because people, you know, at ESPN, all these big stars would say to me, like, hey, I saw you tweeting with Sean Evans. Like, how do you know Sean? Like, do you really know him? I'm like, yes. He, we used to drink beers in a barn together in central illinois i know it's it's insane and then even as recently as you know when you were out at espn we'd hang out too so it's like you know i miss you it's been a while but yeah you're a day one for sure <laughs> i know i know it's funny when we'll get we'll get into this but when i first moved out there i'd be like hey sean i'm on the east coast like let's meet for beers and we will it and now you're like oh sorry i'm in la i'm at this award show you've just you're all over the place these days <laughs> It's crazy. It is definitely crazy. I know. Okay, so most people know you as, you know, from Hot Ones, from First We Feast, from Sean in the Wild. You know, you're everyone's favorite internet celebrity, internet host. You're the legend. I mean, they call you the king of spice, for God's sakes. You have like a Babe Ruth-style nickname these days. But that's not how I know you. So I want to take people <laughs> behind the legend of Sean Evans and let them get to know the guy that I know. Um, so Uh-oh. I know, I know. So uh, my apologies in advance. But, you know, people would say to me, how do you know Sean Evans? He's awesome. I'm like, yeah, he's always been awesome. I know Sean because we went to college together. We were at the University of Illinois, and we were both in journalism school together. And not only were we in journalism school, we were like the two kids in the back of journalism class that the rest of our classmates will look at and be like, yeah, good luck. You guys are going to be like writing random PR copy in, in five years, right? It was actually true, and we did actually sit in the back of the class. We were in the last row. Like, we actually, that was, you you paint the picture, but it's actually, that's actually exactly how it happened. I know, I know. And all these people were taking it so seriously, and we would roll in there and kind of be like, eh, you know, I don't really know if, like, traditional media is kind of our style. And so for us, I mean, I'm not comparing our success at all. Like, you have this mega popular TV show, but I worked at ESPN at the network. If if people could have put money on it, if this was a horse race, no one would have ever guessed that we would be, like, the two blue chip people to come out of Illinois media at that time. 
No, no. I would have put my money on many other people before us, but it's strange how that all works out. And I think that you'd probably say the same thing where you can never really make it happen looking forward. It just has to be like 10 million coincidences that happen, and then you take advantage of the opportunities that you have, and then you just slowly, 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 like day over day, just try to level up from the day that it was before, and then before you know it, you kind of have a little thing going, you know? But it's nuts because the entertainment industry, TV in general, it's just so hard to break through in something or even get a project that you can devote your time and energy and passion to. So definitely a little bit of luck mixed in there, too. So I want to get to how Hot Ones was created. But before that, I want to talk about the journey. And I remember I would come to Chicago and text you and be like, hey, I'm in Chicago or whatever. To give some people a little bit of background, Sean and I graduated uh, in 2008. So it's hard to break into media in general. But at that time when we graduated, the economy was crashing and there were no jobs available. So we were basically like scraping at the bottom of the barrel trying to do anything we could to just get our foot in the door. And I remember I would come to Chicago and text you and be like, hey, let's meet up for beers or whatever. And we would talk. And um, I've listened to a bunch of interviews you've done, you've done where you talk about getting to complex and, you know, just in general how Hot Ones started. But I never hear you mention one job that you had that I really want to talk about <laughs> here. And you may know where I'm going with this. Um, but I think it's a, an interesting fact that Sean Evans used to be kind of the Vince Vaughn character in The Breakup doing the boat tours, the architecture boat tours in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I think that, honestly, that was the best job ever. So I did. I, I did the uh, architectural river cruise on the Chicago River, and I did it all for quite some time. I did it every summer, I think, from when I graduated high school until after I graduated college. Like, I probably spent, like, five or six years on that dock. But that's what I mean on that sort of coincidence thing happened. Like, coincidence sort of weird mission because I think if I didn't have that job, I don't think I'd have this job or I don't think I'd be good at it. You know, it's just when I would go on that boat and give like four or five tours a day and this boat would be full of 150 plus strangers and they're all looking at me, you kind of have to make that energy start with a fresh group with like new chemistry, new energy, time over time over time. And then I don't know. Like, I really think that Like when I look back on everything, I really think that that was low key, the most important piece. And it was the best job ever. And I actually kind of miss it. (laughs) Do you remember kind of some of your speech? Like, can you just recall from the depths of your brain, like something on the Aqua building or or one of the buildings? Like, I remember I I, it's so weird because I used to do so many tours that I'd have dreams that were just a work (laughs) shift. And I felt like I worked. You know, 24 hours and that happened. Like, it's nuts. It was so hammered into my head. But it'd be like, like coming up to the right, you see the towers of Marina City designed by Bertrand Goldberg in 1968. And you just, like, would talk about the architecture. I'm trying to, like, think of something off memory that, like, the weird thing is the facts all stick in my head. So I'll be like, the Willis Tower, 1,451 feet tall, 110 stories for many years the tallest building in the world, like just weird little things stick in my head. But thank God I've been able to shake most of that. (laughs) You know, that was really hammered into my brain for a while in a way that was very like telltale heart. I mean, I'm really impressed that you were able to even just pull that. I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So I'm that impressed. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I know. So so then you do that and then you start writing for Complex, right? Like I remember one time I was up there and we were talking and you were telling me how you were writing the slideshows for them, like the captions on the slideshows, right? 
Right, right. So um, what happened was I just randomly hit them on an internship, and then, yeah, they started letting me write actually for the sports uh so the, like the sports vertical and yeah they would do like the 50 greatest dunks of the 20 like when fuck when back then of like the 20 when was that like 2011 probably yeah so i'd like do that and like write little features and then you get like kind of like pastor around and do this do that i would do even like uh like reviews of the bachelor and stuff at some point it kind of got a little bit out of control, but I did that for years and years and years. And even then too, when I was working for the, uh, working for the city, uh, doing a copywriter job, it was just, uh, the same situation where at night and on weekends, I needed these freelance projects just to keep my eye of the tiger. I feel like, you know, it it wasn't, you know, you get paid like pennies, but I think that that too, that's sort of like, work a nine to five and then working on nights, working on weekends, all that, it kind of all worked together and that giving me that ethic, you know? So it's weird. Yeah. I did that for years and years and years and still with that company. Good yeah. God. <laughs> I know. So when I was writing the questions for this, when I was writing that we graduated in 2008, I'm like, Oh my God, we're old as hell. Like what? <laughs> it's amazing to kind yeah. of look back at our careers and think, wow, we've been out the game for like 10 years now. It happens like that sometimes. I know. So then I know you started doing video work for them, and then they offered you to move to New York and kind of be a part of this video thing that they were building. And I remember when I first moved to the East Coast, I'll never forget we're on the rooftop of Brass Monkey. We're having drinks, and you're telling me about this new opportunity with Complex on the video side and these ideas that you had. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm at that age where all my friends are married and they're having kids. And since I moved to the East Coast, like when I moved back to St. Louis, I'm thinking, oh, my God, your kids have gotten so big like it's so amazing and i kind of feel like that with hot ones because i remember when you first kind of wanted to start this and now when i look at it i'm like oh my god your child has gotten so big and beautiful (laughs) i kind of feel like that about the show too because you never have those kind of expectations for it you know we always knew that we could make a funny internet show we always knew that it would be this internet sideshow we had we had confidence that we could do that and make this cool thing but uh, the evolution of it is just over all that time because it's crazy. It doesn't seem that long ago, but now we're like 120 episodes in, like just now on like the sixth season. So it's crazy. It feels like yesterday and 50 years ago all at the same time. Right. So how did that start? Like what was the inception of Hot Ones? How did this idea get presented? Yeah. So my partner in all this, Chris Schoenberger, the editor-in-chief at First We Feast, creator of Hot Ones, he had this idea. He's like, I want to interview celebrities, but make me violently hot chicken wings. And I think that you'd be a good host. And I was like, that is the funniest idea I've ever heard in my life. Like, let's, let's get in a room and bang this out. So we started working on it. We hit up Tony Yeo to shoot the pilot because just because you have an idea like that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it goes anywhere. You know, it's still absurd on paper. You got to get a celebrity to agree to do this and then another one and then another one and then another one. But we knew that Tony would think that it's funny. So we felt reasonably confident in pitching him for the pilot. He came in, was gracious enough to even let us like help us workshop the whole thing. And uh, so we just shot it, put it out felt pretty good about it went and did another one and another one and another one and another one and then slowly it just got kind of out of control what was the moment where you were like whoa we have something here 
Uh, we talk about the tentpole episodes all the time, but when we first started, we didn't get tons and tons of views. I felt confident in it because the people that watch the show seem to really like it. The comments were always super positive, and the upvotes, downvotes were always kind of like so heavily weighed, but like at a point that you don't even really see on the internet. So I was like, all right, well, if we can get more eyeballs in the tent, I think that we have a viable thing here. But you know, you can't really make the world mess with you. You can't make everybody like your show. So we were just patient, kept doing it. Uh, the first like big number one story on Reddit, like millions of views thing was when I ate a Carolina Reaper with Chili Klaus in the basement of Jimmy's 43. And so that drew some attention to the channel for sure. And then the first celebrity interview that was berserk, like the number one video on YouTube, number one on Reddit, like, Five million views in a day, you know, like whatever, was the uh, Key and Peel Hot Ones episode. So, yeah, you know, one. that really brought tons of people. Plus, uh, it opened up the door for us to really start booking guests and different kinds of guests. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what really just sort of leveled it up. And then now you kind of just look for those little fish, those little things that can level you up just a little bit more while at the same time keeping the show humming with uh, the audience that supported you thus far. So this show doesn't work, though, unless you have a stomach of steel and that you're able to knock down these <laughs> chicken wings and maintain your composure. Right. And, you know, when right. you interview people, you're always thinking ahead and you're watching to see how they react with follow ups. And if you don't have just like the base layer of tolerance that you do, this show doesn't work. So I, I want to really dive <laughs> into that. Like, do you is there like a pregame ritual you have? Like when you know that you're going to film this, is there certain things that you eat like competitive eaters eat lettuce, you know, beforehand to expand your stomach do you have like a ritual that you do going into this you know i oddly enough haven't really adopted anything for before or after i mean i one time made the mistake of eating before like a lot like a meal and that was a huge mistake so now (laughs) i eat super light you know this morning we had a shoot today and this morning you know i just had a banana like a like three spoonfuls of oatmeal and just chilled on that you know uh, but otherwise, I don't really do anything. Like, I don't do any sort of prep. I don't do any sort of, like, after. I just kind of uh, just go just go uh, all natural, I guess. Oh, my gosh. And then, as, and then as far as the tolerance, like, the spice, I never was, like, crazy spicy food guy or anything. I think it's just sort of the responsibility of the interview. It puts a little bit of weight on you. Plus, I have to maintain this front because our guests are – freaking out half the time. So you don't want to like look like you're completely out of control of the situation with them. And you have to keep this interview going uh, for the audience and keeping the energy and keeping the chemistry and all that stuff, the rhythm. So it's, you kind of don't even think about the wings. Well, you're talking about them freaking out, you know, and I, I've watched every episode of Hot Ones. I love it. It's an amazing show. But you're right. Every person goes in. A lot of them are nervous, but some of them go in there and they're like, yeah, I think I can do this. And then undoubtedly, they're sweating. You see them start to kind of internally panic. And then, you know, they're in short sleeves. They're they're breaking out in full body sweats. And I look at you and you're kind of like low-key trolling them wearing a hoodie and a <laughs> jacket. You know what I mean? If I was them, I'd look at you and be like, okay, I'm in trouble here. This guy is like insulated with heat and he's handling heat yeah people always say that i you know i don't know i think you just kind of go with a look that you feel good about on camera and then before you know it you've more or less rotated five looks the entire time so now it's just all part of the 
viewer experience. I think if I hit the hot one set, you know, in like uh, nine inch shorts and a polo, I think like people would be <laughs> people would be weirded out by it. Yeah. You know, people always people always talk to me talk to me about it, like the hoodie thing or whatever. But I think the other side of it, I don't know. I don't know if people are ready, but maybe that's what happens. Maybe summer twenty eighteen. I start showing some skin. I think maybe you need to evolve the look, you know, your signature look. Like LeBron shows right. up for the NBA Finals in, like, man Bermuda shorts and a blazer. You know what I mean? Like, that's maybe true. maybe that's when the show takes the next step is when you become high fashion. That is not a bad idea. I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay, good. I'll take my 10% <laughs> later. But, okay, so another thing I always wanted to ask, I almost texted you this once when I'm watching this. Whenever I eat spicy food, immediately after my lips are burning. So I want to talk about chapstick. Yeah. Like, do you go through a wicked amount of chapstick after you do this? Are your lips just on fire 24-7? Yeah, you know, I think I have. Now that you say chapstick, I do use chapstick much more than I used to. And I, 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 that must be correlated. And I never even gave it any thought until now. But, yeah, it's crazy because all the, the sauces that we use are picked and put in this order, you know, in the in the order of, like, obviously the heat level, but also because they'll attack different parts. Uh, so maybe you'll have one that's more of a thir- throat burn situation, or maybe you'll have something that is a lip burn situation. So I end up feeling all of those things over the course of a, of a shoot, the lips, the throat, everything. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you've had an amazing lineup of guests, and you know you talk about how your life's been crazy, how you're trying to put all this together. From where I sit as a producer for 10 years, especially at the network level, I know what it takes to put together a daily show, not to mention a right. show on the, the level that you guys do. You know, And like you say, it comes out every week during the season, 11 a.m. on a Thursday. So I just want to ask you, like, I want to get back in the kitchen and see how the food is made. How do you guys do this? How do you put together a show like this on a weekly basis? It's got to be crazy. It's totally insane, and that's why I always appreciate having this sort of conversation with people that put shows together because they really understand. Like, they can see from the outside looking in what goes into that, where I think most people just assume that there's some big team and it's hyper-organized and super professional and just like magic at 11 a.m. every Thursday of fully produced Hot Ones episode pops up basically every Thursday for like three damn years, you know? (laughs) So, but that's, you know, like I'm on a plane, you know, every week it's, I'm on a plane. We have an editor and I'm in the edit. We have inherently, it's just a labor intensive show. It doesn't work unless there's a massive amount of research. So me and Chris will divide up that research and, you know, I don't know, lock yourself in a room and write, 10 interview questions, you know, like it'll take you from noon to night, you know, sometimes it takes from noon to night to make that work. So, and on top of that, you know, like you have uh, maybe like a, in, uh, in episode sponsorship, maybe you have this, maybe you have that. You also have to juggle the availability and schedules of some of the most busy people in the world, these celebrities and the bar is so high for who we have to have in the seat. And then on top of that, we want this eclectic mix of characters. And you're like, juggling all of those things with a relatively small group of people and trying to do all the technical things and that go into it people don't really understand all that those logistics so yeah it's a 
seven days a week job. And it's kind of been that way for two and a half years. And I think that that's, you know, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back or like whatever, but that's one thing that I think most people watching don't understand. I think that that's probably the biggest disconnect between the show and the people who watch it is that it's not this well-oiled machine behind the scenes. It's utter chaos all the time. Just a very, very small group of people going up against a shoestring budget and a ridiculous time and turnaround all the time, all the time. It's, it's crazy. So I always appreciate when I talk to somebody who has that kind of production experience because you can, you can see it. Like, you can see it, but most people I don't think can. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, from where I sat at ESPN doing a daily show, I know how difficult it is. I'm not even talking editing. I'm not, All of that stuff aside, which is a beast in its own, just to book guests the way you do. I don't even know. I'm I'm sure what people don't understand is how many times someone's probably flaked at the last minute or you've had to change locations or you've had to change times when you have things coordinated. Like to to land the caliber of guests that you do on a consistent basis has to be one of the toughest parts of putting it together. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. You know, and people don't have any patience for that. And that's fine because you know what ultimately it's a competition for eyeballs. We're all in it. You know, so they can go elsewhere with them if you're not hitting their expectations. But in working through this, you're always like, think that it's going to get easier or better or more efficient. And it never does. It is always just craziness behind the scenes in order to make it look regular and robotic and surgical. It is always just, it's insane. It's insane. Well, now that we're on the topic of guests, I want to know who your favorite guest was on Hot Ones and who's the white whale? Who do you just have at the top of the list that you haven't booked yet, but that you want to one day? On the interviews, I think that they all kind of fit different buckets for me. You know, I think in part, the Alexa Chung episode is super important to those of us internally because she's the show's muse. Um, So that was a big deal for us. You know, uh, to have guests like Charlie Theron and have these basically perfect interviews and perfect just blocks of content, like exactly how we drew it up, entertaining, falling into the concept of the show while simultaneously an enormous star. We're super proud of those things. There's the Russell Brand episode that has a special place in my heart, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Terry Crews. And I know I'm, like, missing tons, you know, Um but there's all these episodes, Eric Andre, I don't know. Like, I could go on and on. I could probably like, talk about every episode, but I feel like a jerk. So, I mean, but that's that. I don't know. There's, like, all these ones that, like, fill different categories for me. Even, like, the YG episode I have a soft spot for, because, you know, YG interviews aren't typically great, but his hot ones is. You know, like, those things. Like, they all fit different buckets for me. I like them all for, like, different reasons. I think that that is true with the fans, too. You know, like, everyone has, like, their own favorites and that's kind of an interesting thing about the show uh and then on a white whale guest i mean to to us celebrities like it's just changing every day and the show changes every day and you know so it's like i don't know i feel like that changes for me every day but one thing is we do pay attention to the fans and the people that they want to see on the show and there's some people that are so often requested that i just want to put them in the seat so i can not deal with people walking up to me in airports and being like, get Gordon Ramsay on the show. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, get Phil Burr on the show, get Joe Rogan on the show, get the rock on the show. You know, it's the same people all the time. So I just want to be like, all right, well, we either got to get them in the seat or I need the world to find four 
different people that they want to eat chicken wings because it's getting it's like suffocating. <laughs> um, from an interview standpoint, is there one person that you would really want to talk to and just do the do the deep dive and get down into you know questions that you want answers to? Yeah, I mean, there's always part of me that thinks about the people who influence me most, and that would be David Letterman and Howard Stern, Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Carolla, these guys who really inspired me when I was young, and maybe in some weird way, it's uh, why I'm here, you know? Um, so, but then at the same time, it's like, I don't know, like maybe you don't want to interview them so that you can just let the romance of it all um be its own individual own thing so there's like things that i always think about in a selfish way and um in those ways but then i'm like i don't even know if i want them in the seat because like what if it is just not good and they you know i'm like it's like this a disappointing experience for them and then i'm just like left with that yeah what so do I don't they say? Know. never <laughs> meet your heroes yeah yeah you know what i mean like well, what if it is? yeah like what if i suck like what if it is just like just whack and flat and i'm like oh i had like, you know, like my whole life has led up to this moment and, you know, like it's like, ugh. you know, it's so like maybe you just want to let those things be. But I don't know. Obviously, I want to do those interviews, but I always think about the episode. You know, it's like I just it's always so stressful that I never feel like I can have those sorts of thoughts. I always feel like I have to just like always get on top of the day, always just do one more stroke, just walk one more step put in one more brick or whatever you know i feel like that well i mean you talk about guys like letterman and whatnot but and you say it could be a disappointing experience but then you were on the colbert show and that ended up being amazing (laughs) yeah that was crazy too um which and that was super you know when i look back on it because my dad was such a letterman fan so you know to be at the ed sullivan theater was you know it was awesome for me but i feel like it was super cool for him he mm-hmm. was just freaking out on the phone when i told him he was like this is very good sean this is very good sean um <laughs> oh my god that had to be the most awesome moment though knowing like i'm sure you were so excited to call your dad and tell him that yeah yeah i was just like you know it's a good it's a good call to make for sure so yeah he was so hyped and you know, and and sometimes you know you're like, oh, you you talk to your dad, you're like, yeah, I'm eating uh, chicken wings on YouTube, and you're kind of like, okay, okay, you know, it's not like I graduated med school, you know, it's not like it's that's not always, it's not always like the proudest statement to say. Like when people ask me like what I do and stuff, you know, on paper it's a little silly. So sometimes I felt like that's my dad, but then I'd be like, I'm, we're shooting with Ricky Gervais, I'd be like, huh, you know, and he's like. <laughs> He's like, uh, the kids, people at the office who know you, it's like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like, and then it just becomes a thing. But I remember the Colbert thing was like the first time that he was like, like, ah, like, like, I was like, whoa. So, so that was awesome, uh, for sure. And he was, uh, such a crazy experience. And, you know, I think that's what's, uh, interesting about the show and doing these sorts of things is that you always have to create this energy this chemistry on the spot with something someone that you've never met before and a setting that you've never really been in before and you know you just hope it goes good and that one definitely went well so i want to ask you about fan sean you, the show has a cult following i'm sure you get recognized everywhere you go so i want to know what's the weirdest thing that you've gotten from a fan or your weirdest fan experience no oh, that's good um well i think by and large, most people are really cool because 
they just want to say hi, show love, and then, um, you know, maybe they want a picture or something. So that's always right. super cool when it's that sort of touch and go. Maybe they have a question about the show. I always love answering a question about the show. I think the times that it's not good is when you're, like, at the airport and you're in the security line. And this happens now a little bit more often where, like, people are like, hey, are you Sean? And I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? And I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm talking in the security line. He's going through, like, the episodes that he thought could be better, like, these, and that, like, blah, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm in the, in the weeds conversation about the hot ones and, like, the, you know, with this guy. Or if you ever take an Uber in L.A., it's insane because they're all kind of moonlighting in the business. So if you ever, <laughs> like, let it leak of, like, what you do, then they're giving you their card and, like, references, and that, that's always insane. There's a couple things that stand out when it was just fan to fan. Uh, one time, another airport story is I was going to TSA, and this guy grabs my bag, and he's like, all right, so I'm going to have to take you to the side, patch it down for Death Wings. And I thought that was pretty funny. Oh and then and then he was super proud of himself. Like, Chris was behind me in line at the TSA. And he was like, what did that guy say? He was like, he just kept chuckling to himself. And I was like, I told him. Um, but then one time I was walking down Fifth Avenue. It was a crowded day, middle of the day. Tons of people around. This guy just goes, Sean, Sean. And I look across the street and he just goes, I, I, what can I say on this podcast? Can I say? You can say whatever you want. He goes like this. He just goes, DJ Khaled's a bitch. <laughs> like that. <laughs> but to be fair, DJ Khaled was a bitch. So he, he did only eat three wings. You know, I don't. I don't know if you. I don't know if I disrespect him like that on Fifth Avenue in the middle of the day. But I thought that was. I thought that was an interesting fan interaction. But by and large, most people, it's like this. It's the. It's the just Sean. Oh, fan. Da da da. Make a question about the thing. Take a picture. I always love that. You know. Um, I, I'm thinking about the Fifth Avenue guy, how fired up he must have been to go tell his buddies, like, yo, I yelled at Sean Evans on the street and told him DJ Khaled was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then he didn't really want anything else. Like, he didn't wave. He didn't say hi. He didn't, like, stop. He didn't do anything. He just addressed the situation and then went about his day. So has that been weird for you, like the growth of your own personal celebrity? Like, I remember one day I'm, I'm, you know, in my apartment, the TV's just on randomly, and I look up and you're on TMZ. And I'm like, oh, my God, Sean is on TMZ. Was, yeah. Like, what was that know. experience like? Uh, it, it is what it looks like on uh, when you watch it. It's like we were walking to the street, or we were walking on the street, and this guy's like, Sean, I don't know. He pops, the th- he pops his viewfinder open. and has a TMZ sticker on it, so you're like, oh, this is a thing that's happening. And then you're like, oh, I'm holding my tea weird. You know, you start thinking about, like, stuff like that. I'm like, am I standing weird? This this all just happened so fast. And then they're, they're already preloaded with all those uh, questions that, try to get you to say something dumb. Like, what does it say about a celebrity if they can't even get through 10 chicken wings? You know, it was already a loaded question, you know, like leading me down a negative path. They, they just already have those. It's amazing. Those camera guys are amazing. The fact that they spot me and know who I am, like how deep does your Rolodex have to be for that to happen? And then to already have preloaded chicken wing celebrity-related questions to try to get me to step in a trap, I mean, that's amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay, so with the growth of the show, I've noticed, too, has come kind of the growth of poachers. You know, yeah. Like, talk to me about that. Like, how annoying is that? And what do you do? Like, how do you combat that? Well, when it first, ha- when it first started happening uh, was early on, 
And there were big media companies that did it. Like one was like a, an Australian Fox Sports. So it was Fox Sports Australia. These guys are kind of rugby. And they were just doing the same sauces, same set, same everything. And so to them, you just run a campaign where you just embarrass them on Twitter and just hope that, uh, you know, the people who ride or die for your show go to war for you, which they did. And, you know, I don't know if it got the show taken off, but certainly wiped off the Internet. And so I used to go crazy. I used to go ballistic. I used to just be this guy in my apartment, like pulling the puppet stream strings and sending the army down the hill. Uh, but that's because we were small, and uh, I'd see these bigger productions that had budgets and a, a bigger platform and advertisers and everything. And I was like, whoa, I need to bark this down because people would come up, people would be tweeting at me like, you're ripping off burning questions. You know, like people would say shit like that to me. So I'd be like, <laughs> what is burning questions? I look over like, this lady is saying my exact script. You know, they're ripping us off. So I just felt that we had to defend the show and uh, just create this lightning rod on the sh- on these on these people that were doing it. At this point, though, I've I've cooled out a little bit. I'm like an old dog now. I see it. I don't even care. It's like whatever. I think now the show is established enough where I don't have to fight for it. You know, when people see that, if they know, they know. And then it happens now so often. So I'm like, I don't even care. I just don't even care. People send me links and they're like, Look at this. It's the same blah blah. And I'm like, I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, because you know that all your fans on the internet will attack them for you. You don't have to do their it anymore. You know. I mean, I don't even know if it's that as much as it's, you see just sort of two even boardroom versions of it. Like Kevin Hart had that show where he was interviewing people and they're like sitting in ice baths, you know, and yeah. you're kind of like, oh, that's like a boardroom situation where people are like, oh, how do we do this? You know, and then they do it in kind of a dumb way, you know? So I think that... um now I don't even care. Like I just, you know, I, I, it's not even that I, I, I'm, I, I feel protected or whatever. I think I'm just out of energy for it. But now that the show has grown to what it is, and you know, it's it's such a an amazing concept, and you do it so well. You're such a great interviewer, and it's become this destination for people, not only for viewers but for celebrities, right? Like they know you're not going to ask the same basic ten questions that they're going to get from everybody else, and it's kind of a, a badge of honor for them to to get as far as they go. And you know, you have the the hot sauces, and you're on the Super Bowl pregame show, and you're doing all of these things. So, kind of, what's the next iteration of Hot Ones, or you know, Sean in the Wild? Like, what's the next step, and you know, the ceiling that you have? Well, I guess we'll figure that out. Um, I think that people kind of decide who you are and what it is and whether or not it's important. To us, you know, what we've always thought that we've done is totally subverted the interview, which is the oldest construct in the history of media and something that's lasted since it all started and is still going now. So I guess the thought is that... You know, we're not a hot sauce show, that we're not a chicken wing show, that we're an interview show. And as long as interviews are relevant, then maybe hot ones can be relevant, which would make it, you know, something that could be infinite, potentially. I think, you know, I'm not sure I can eat, you know, chicken wings like that forever and ever and ever. But but in in, in terms of the concept, that, that is what we think. Um, and then at the same time, you know, we want to turn the spotlight on our guests so that the viewer experience of each episode uh, becomes sort of an extension of that guest's personality. Because ultimately, it's a dark room. 
it's just chicken wings, hot sauce, and this bald dude. So how do you make this a different viewer experience every single time? Because it's the same trip up the chicken wing mountain every single time. And, and our solve for that is to make the viewer experience uh, adapt to the rhythm and the energy of our guests. So with Johnny Knoxville, like even down to the bed, it's going to be a little bit more rock where like John Mayer in the bed is going to be a little bit even more singer-songwriter. You know, like down to the reactions they have to the wings and to the assets and everything. So I always think that if, you know, we don't try to outsmart ourselves, if we don't get too cute, if we stick to our mission, then, you know, we can do this for a while, I think. And, you know, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it does get uh, old for people and stale and whatever the people around it, you know, it's, it's been so much this, um, this rallying cry for all of us, you know, everybody that I work with, I'm so close with. So, I mean, I feel like as long as we can keep that, we can keep making really good internet videos for a long time. No, I th- you're exactly right. Keep doing what you're doing and the success will maintain. But before I let you maybe, go... Maybe, maybe not. That's up to people, I think, you know? That's true. Um, so at the end of the pod, we've been doing this thing where we play a little game, like a rapid-fire type thing. And so I was thinking, what do I want to do with Sean? And I'm thinking back to when I first met you, like the 2007 era, and then I thought of a game that we used to kind of play back then, and it ties perfectly into what you do now. So I want to do kind of a rapid-fire hot or not with you, Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, five things. I'll just say it to you. You tell me if it's hot or not, and then give a quick reason why, okay? Got it. First one, Kanye's new album. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Two songs are hot, but I would say mostly not. Which two? I like that Yike song, and I like something else that I can't put my finger on. So, But I think, like... You know, I, I after a couple listen throughs, you know, it's not bad. It's not. Ho- I wouldn't say it's hot. So, you <laughs> okay. know, I wouldn't say it's hot. It's not hot in the streets. Okay, next yeah. one: girls and overalls. Um, going through in my head, I think that's hot. <laughs> I think that's a hot move. I mean, it depends on the context. Certainly, I, I would need probably to see it in a more specific context but i think overall if a girl can rock overalls a girl can rock overalls i think it's hot so basically you're telling me it depends on the girl right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. of course it does (laughs) i know i I just quick aside all my girlfriends are like oh my god i bought the dopest pair of overalls i'm like are we wearing overalls again is that a thing like are we back in 98 I guess. If overalls are in, I'm not mad about it. Uh, if that's a look for the summer, I'm I'm not mad about it. I just don't know if it's like one strap or two. If we've gone all the way back to the 90s and we're doing the one strap situation, I'm not sure. But, yes, so keep your I eye out on, on the streets of New York for overalls, okay? I, I will. All right, next one, lemon pepper wings. Lemon pepper wings, hot. That is the wing stop go-to. Lemon pepper wings are amazing. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, um, I'm going to give you three words, so give hot or not for each each one of these, okay? Fam, squad, and lit. Those are all not. You know, if you're, I think, I think if, if you're using those things unironically in 2018, that more people would put a thumbs down to that than would put a thumbs up to that. Yeah, I think all those are kind of overplayed at this point, right? 
Maybe. Maybe not in St. Louis. Maybe they're just <laughs> catching on. Ooh, okay. So with the St. Louis shade that you just threw, we're going to go to the last one. And um, okay. hot, hot or not, Mitchell Trubisky. I, I got to think hot. I got to hope hot. I really got to hope hot. Um, but... I don't know. Like at this point, I just have no expectations for the Bears anymore. You know, I don't know. Like they could win four games. You know, like and I would be like, that sounds about right. And they could just win. Four. I don't. I don't know when they turn the corner. But I don't know. NFL so bounce back. I think on an eyeball test, I, I like him. So I'm gonna go hot. I gotta go hot. I'm going hot. Okay. I mean, I like your optimistic hop, but I have to say, your initial answer sounded very defeated. I, I'm defeated. I'm defeated. I got to stay busy on Sundays. You know, like, whatever. I, this team, all my teams stink. I'm a White Sox fan. I'm an Illinois fan. I'm a Bears fan. Like, all of these, they are driving me to the UFC, you know? <laughs> I know. Sean, I moved back, and, you know, it's like St. Louis is on the border of Illinois oh, and Missouri. Illinois, Missouri, and like Mizzou's in the SEC, and they made the tournament, and it's like, oh, people will tweet me all the time and be like, why don't you talk Illinois? I'm like, because we stink at everything. Like, what do you want me to do? Get on the radio and rail everything. them all the time? Everything. I mean, it's it's crazy. That's why, like, now, I, I'm, I'm telling you, everybody's pushing me to the UFC <laughs> well, so I can watch. Sean, from from journalism class in Illinois, we'll we'll just bring it full full force. It's been you've been such an awesome friend, and I'm so happy for all of your success. You deserve it more than anyone. You're so talented, and I love hot ones. So keep doing what you're doing, and thanks so much for the time today. All right, love you, Michelle. Miss you. And thank you again for listening, for subscribing, rating, reviewing to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't head to Apple Podcasts to rate and review it yet, stop what you're doing. Do it right now. We thank you in advance. Um, and also, please follow Sean on Twitter, on Instagram. Just search him, Sean Evans. You'll find him. He's an amazing follow. Season six of Hot Ones dropped. Johnny Knoxville was the first guest. Make sure and check it out if you haven't seen it already. You can find it on YouTube. It's an unbelievably brilliant show. If it's not your favorite show already, I promise you it will be. So again, thank you for listening. And until next time. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.